Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. I love that first song that we uh, sang this morning. Uh, a lot of energy, right? And um, it is good to be in the house of the Lord and feel His presence this morning. I don't know if you guys know me, but it's been a long week, right? And if you've had a conversation with me this morning, I've done my best to be my same spunky self, but I'm not quite there, right? We had um, our winter weekend over the past weekend, and we had 55 kiddos, um, 15 small group leaders. I mean, it was incredible, but I am exhausted this morning. But don't let that... um, by any means, like even though I don't have quite as much spunk, I'm not 130% as always. I'm very passionate about the topic that um, I'm supposed to speak about this morning, and I'm going to do my best to give it all that I have. It's all God anyways, right? Amen? So we are continuing to um, lay out the seven foundations for all of the Ridge members here at our church. And so these are things that we believe that if you are coming in here, you're plugging in, this is what we believe is important. And so Pastor Roger um, kicked us off a couple weeks ago with an introduction, and then last week he focused on loving God and how this has to be the absolute bedrock of everything we do as a church, right? If you peel back all the layers, all the different activities, and you go, what is the Ridge Church about? This is the number one thing that we want people to know that we are passionate about having a daily relationship with the Lord. And so that is our foundation, and here's how we set it in goal number one, right? Goal number one was maintaining a daily personal relationship with God. How do we do this day by day? We spend time through what? You guys can say it. You're with me. There it is. Right, so reading our Bibles and through prayer. You want to know the heart of God, you read His Word. If you want to grow close to him, you'll spend time with him. And so that's what we talked about last week. And hopefully, um, this is something you've heard a lot about here at the church. Because this is something that we have to have as our foundation. So this week, I'm on to goal number two. right? For each and every family to have God as the foundation, but to have, here it is, goal number two, to have a high priority of family through daily devotions, prayer time, and personal time with family members. Now, if you're kind of paying attention, these two are very similar, aren't they? How? Watch this. So, goal number one is to love God with all that we have by reading His Word and spending time in prayer. Goal number two builds upon it. Notice, we are not saying family is the next priority, right? God still is our ultimate priority, but you teach your family how to have devotion time, how to spend time in prayer by being with one another. And so that's my challenge for you this morning. Um, I've got some things that I think um, are very encouraging. I've got some things that also I feel like will step on toes. And I've tried to preach it myself this morning because as you guys can tell, I am the youngest guy here on staff, right? I have the least amount of experience when it comes to family and kids, but yet Roger's like, Brett, you're the one who I want to do this. And so it's no secret, I'm not the expert up here this morning. I don't have all this figured out. Um, Just this past week, like as you're preparing a message about family, guess what's tested in your life? Your family time, right? And just like the enemy wants nothing more than to rip apart our families. And he is after you hard because he knows that if he can't get to you personally, then he's going to get to your family. And so as I speak this morning, 
I hope that God's word challenges you. And this, this is something that as we look into it, we're going to compare modern family versus biblical family. And cultures are vastly different from then to now. And so we've got a challenge. We've got a lot that we've got to get through this morning. But before we do, I also want to make sure that I'm a little lighthearted, right? And so I want to show you a picture of my family. And so most people, when they're showing pictures of their family, they show you the Instagram version, okay? Right? Everyone looking forward, everyone looking good. Well, here is my mess, right? This is my family. And let me tell you, um, I moved up here almost four years ago now, and it has been the hardest thing for me. I love it here, and I know this is where God has me. This has been the hardest thing for me, is not being close to my family. And so I realized, as I was looking through different pictures, since we moved up, we didn't have um, an accurate family picture. And so when we went home for the holidays, I said, I don't care what we accomplish, I want a family picture of everybody. And so we loaded up. This is at my brother-in-law's house, and we didn't have a professional photographer. We had a phone with a little button that you could click. We set it up on their van and had the timer, and we did this, right? And this was our um, chaos that ensued. And as you can see, there's a lot of kids everywhere. Only one is mine, right? My older sister now has five. Okay? And as you can see, it's basically just you grab a kid and you try to hang on and do the best you can as the aunts and uncles. Um, I actually looked at my phone this morning because I thought just maybe there was going to be a change. Uh, my youngest sister's due date was like two or three days ago. And so still no baby yet. We're waiting. But the family's always growing. Um, and here's what I want you guys to see. As much as I love this and as much as I want to say, I think I have the perfect family, can I tell you what we are behind the scenes still? A giant mess, right? There's no perfect families, but there are families who understand that their priority is loving God and putting Him first, and they teach their kids to do so. And I am so thankful. Yesterday, as I left the church, I was up here preparing last minute um, because I was kind of sick um, all week long, and I just ran out of time. I called my dad on the way home. I was like, Dad, I love you. A little bit emotional, teary-eyed. I'm preaching on family tomorrow. I miss you. But there's something special about when you get everybody together. And so this morning, we're going to jump right in, and here's what I know. Our world is crazy. Our world requires a lot of families. And there's always something competing for our time, for our energy, and our attention. And I want to show you this morning that if we really anchor ourselves in God, on His foundation, then I think that's the best chance that you're going to have at having a family to succeed in this world. So, um, I like charts. I like things that help me explain things in life. Um, As I also understand, though, is that charts don't accurately do a good job of showing us where we are. But here's what I'm hoping, that this morning when we talk about family and prioritizing time, here's the truth I know. If you don't prioritize it, it won't happen. You have to set aside time for things. Otherwise, here's what happened. You sleep 7.6 hours of a 24-hour day, Some of you are like, I wish I was sleeping 7.6 hours of the day, right? If you've got new little ones, whoo, that's a beautiful number, okay? Um, Down here below, the big green, we don't like this one, but it's just part of life. Work, 8.6 hours. If you're doing the 9 to 5 thing, right, you're going, some of you are like, I'd only like to work 8 hours a day. I'm working 12. But 
do the quick math, right? And this is for, hopefully, everyone will kind of understand this, right? Someone who's working, 25 to 54 with children. Anybody? That's you this morning. All right? How many of you have been in this window before? All right? How many are like, I don't think that's ever going to be me? All right? So hopefully you kind of relate, but I know life isn't summed up by pie charts. But here we are, 16 hours of our day is gone just like that if you work and you sleep. So we have two categories taking up a huge chunk of time. So the question then becomes, what do we do with the remaining eight hours? How do we prioritize family? Now, I'm going to once again refer to the chart here so we can see kind of what normal people-ish, right, are doing. So we've got eating and drinking, 1.1 hours, which, by the way, if you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner all in one hour and 10 minutes, you're moving. You're cruising, right? Like, there's not a whole bunch of prep time, and they must not have, they have very good kids, apparently. Um, let's see, household activities. It takes us quite a while to pick up Juliet's toys, right? That's, that's factored in there. Caring for others, I think that's kind of a loose category of, like, all of the above mixed in there. And then leisure and sports, 2.6 hours, and other 1.8. So there's kind of a little openness here to this. But I think we could all agree, like, that leisure time, we would like more of that, right? We need time to unwind, to de-stress. Some of you are saying, like, my sports schedule, that'd be nice to only go that much, right? I've got kids going in all different directions of life. But as we look at our schedules, how do we fit it all in? How do we make sure we do the things of life that need to be done? Like, you have to sleep, you have to work, and it's probably a good thing for you to eat meals. Here's the thing that, as I was wrestling with this week, some of these things we have to adjust our time. But here's the hard part. Some of these things have to be eliminated for us to have truly the time that we need to prioritize family. And so I want you this week, okay, this is not you, but it's close. I want you to think about your schedule this, past, this next week. I want you to talk with your spouse, talk with your family, and go, what are the things that is encouraging us to have great time together as a family, and what are the things that are pulling us in all kinds of different directions? Because I know there are times for us to divide and conquer. For example, this morning, I had the 8 a.m. service I didn't wake up my wife at 6 o'clock this morning and go, hey, let's get up. Let's come to service, right? Let's get the little one around. Didn't happen, right? I got up. I got here. She came later to the third service. She's here, right? There are some moments to divide and conquer. But what I want us to see is that practically we can't do it all. And we have to make some tough decisions about what we're going to do with our time. And so you heard me say this. This is something I'm passionate about. I learned this from my parents. In the fall, we did a sermon series called Come to the Table, right? You don't want to eliminate meals throughout your day, so what do you do? You spend time with the things that you have to do and turn them into time that is quality time, right? So as we're thinking about this, eating meals together makes sense. So I was trying to think of just a few things. Remember, no expert, but here's what I think God's Word is saying, teaching us about the family. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's what I hope to challenge you all with today. And it's not a big fancy word, and I, I may have even made up a word here, but when I think of if we want strong families rooted in loving God, 
and having a high priority of family, here's a word, and my wife helped me come to this conclusion, togetherness. When you do things, do things together. Now, what do I mean by that, right? So here is what togetherness, and it actually is a word. I thought I kind of made it up, but it's not. The state of being close to one another or other people. And isn't that truly our desire for family? To love one another? To spend quality time together? Because family is important. Family is special. And as we look at it this morning, it's so tempting for us to get distracted, to put other things first that harm the family. But here's my challenge for us this morning. Learn to tackle the mundane things of life together. It's about the daily things. How do we grow our love relationship with the Lord? By spending time with Him daily, right? So the same thing is true with our families. If you want to grow your family, you've got to spend time with them. Now, as the student pastor, here's some of the responses that I hear. Marcy's over here smiling, right? Marcy, students, do they want to spend all of their time with family all the time? Oh no, she shakes her head no, right? This is the cry of students today and the cry of students for all of eternity. We need more freedom, right? We need more space. We need more opportunities to spread our wings and fly. That's, that's it. But let me tell you, if you truly want to see your family succeed, you've got to spend time with them. You've got to sometimes say no. Because just as our relationship with the Father, He doesn't let us have all the space we want. He's right there with us. We need his guidance. We need his instruction. And so sometimes saying no is sometimes the best thing that you can do for your family. All right, so this is, this is my introduction stuff. You guys still with me? So I want to share a personal story with you guys this morning about what does this really look like, right? Because when we talk about eliminating or adjusting, you have to really look at what your schedule is and try to diagnose what are some things that are working well and what are some things that aren't working well. And so, thankfully, Pastor Roger um, all the time says, take care of your family, right? If you've ever been around him, you know his heart. And some people just say this, but others really mean it, and he means it. And so, as staff members, we get one day off throughout the week to spend time with our family, to rest and relax. My day happens to be Thursday, and on that pie chart, right, if you would put my Thursday up, you can imagine what I would like for the pie chart to look like, okay? Sleeping, I would love for that blue to just keep growing, right? Work, I want at a bare minimum. I'll answer phone calls if I have to, right? But that leisure time, I would just like for it to, oh yes, get really nice and big, right? Because on my day off, I want to rest. I want to recover. Well, if you guys know right now, I've got a little year and a half year old. Well, she doesn't know what an off day is. She doesn't understand that dad's mentally exhausted. You know what she realizes? Dad's home today. It's playtime, baby, right? And so my off day sometimes turns into what? Family day. And I selfishly am like, what? I don't want this, right? I want to rest. I want to relax. But let me share a little bit of something of what we've done. Um, so I can't remember exactly when, um, but after Abby had little Juliet, um, she w started going to the chiropractor to get adjusted. Her body was kind of all out of whack, and so she's chosen a chiropractor that 
does things a little bit different, so it's a little bit of a travel, right? So it's 30 minutes there, and then you've got your appointment, and then 30 minutes back. And so we were looking, and normally that was happening on an off day, but I wasn't going, right? So that benefited me, but guess what we were missing out on? Family time. And so we started discussing what do we need to do. This is a mundane thing of life that's not helping us to grow closer as a family. So guess what happens at 8 o'clock on Thursday mornings now? We load up as a family unit, and we go to the chiropractor. And let me tell you, some mornings I am grumpy, I am crabby, and I do not want to go to the chiropractor, right? Because I want to rest. I want to sleep. But if I'm going to say that I'm prioritizing family, some things have to be adjusted. Some things have to be eliminated. And I would love to tell you that every car ride there is like, right? Like, amazing. No, it's not, right? Sometimes there's a screaming baby. Sometimes I have a headache. But guess what? We've set a goal to prioritize that time so we can spend it together. We can do this as a family unit. And so here's what I've wrestled with this past week. Our modern families are mobile. Our modern families have access to so many different things that it appears that we're being stretched way too thin. As we look at God's word, here are the things that I see. They were very different culturally. They lived together. They stayed together. They grew crops together, right? We have outsourced everything. We go to the grocery store when we need stuff. And normally it's one parent goes and one parent stays. Old Testament, biblical New Testament, family model, both of them, both had this high priority of doing things together. And I think that's what we need to get back to as family units. Whenever they had someone get married into the family, you know what they did? They built another room onto the house. They added a second level to the home. They said, come, be a part of what we are. And let me tell you, whenever you're two hours away from one set of parents and three hours away from the other, when you're sick and you're not feeling good and you need grandma to come over, it's a whole lot harder when it's two hours down the road, isn't it? But their families were knit together. They understood what it meant. And catch this, their values and their priorities were a bit different than ours. They really understood what it meant to honor their father and their mother. And I think that's the thing that I want to challenge us to do this morning. This is what I'm hoping to do in my little family right now. My dad wasn't perfect, but I, can, I learned a lot from him. And as I was growing up, uh, my dad was a Sunday school teacher. And I'd walk into his room, and he had a whiteboard. And my dad's not known to write notes, okay, Incredible teacher, but my dad kept it very simple. And I would always walk in, and this phrase was always on his chalkboard. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And as a kid, I looked at that, and I'm like, come on, Dad. Like, can't you go a little bit deeper with him? And he's like, you keep the main thing, the main thing, everything else falls into place. And let me tell you this morning, I don't want you to walk out of here as family stressed out, like, we need to make major changes. You might need to. You might need to make some adjustments this morning, but I want you to focus on loving God. When you do that, then you will teach your kids to do the same, and slowly things will start getting back in proper alignment. So I want you guys to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
because I want to tie both of these foundational things together. I want you to see why was this biblical family unit so successful. And so here we come to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to see us as a church having families who love the Lord passionately and also are showing their children. So look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which we are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So that's kind of the introduction part. The next part is described as the Shema. And this is what parents would teach their students to recite. They would have this memorized because it was valued to them. It was prioritized to know who God is in his proper place. Remember, if we want family to know God, we've got to do it first. Look at what it says here in verse 4. Hear. Listen up, right? This is a hear and obey type statement, though. O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And tell me if verse 5 doesn't sound like the foundation that Roger laid last week. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Where are these words supposed to be? On our hearts. Here's the truth that God wants us to have on our hearts. And now, here's where I get my statement for this morning. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. What in the world is this chapter saying? What is Deuteronomy chapter 6 focused on? Parents teaching their children to love the Lord. Right? We can spend all of this time prioritizing family and still miss it. Catch that. You can have an incredibly connected family, but if you miss the foundation underneath it, you've missed it. You want to teach your family to be rooted and anchored in the Word of God. Our children are to be discipled where? In the home. As I look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's giving us the hint that students... Guess where they learn the most? From mom and dad. Because they're watching them. They're listening to them. They're observing. It's the craziest thing. But every now and then, Abby and I will be off, and our little bitty girl can sense it. She'll walk in and kind of give this this look sometimes. Like, I know something's up. Right? They're carefully watching what's going on. And notice how they did it. They didn't view this as like, okay, here's structured teaching time about the Lord. Here we go. As they sat down, as they walked, and I think this is so critical. Everything, every little thing can be a teaching moment. The sun comes up in the morning. We praise the Lord for another day. We pray to Him for new mercies today. You're in the car and someone accidentally cuts you off and you don't respond appropriately. 
you have to turn back around and say, that was wrong of dad. There's a time when your kid's tugging at your leg and you're just like, stop! There's your moment. Even though she's little and she doesn't understand, I apologize. Sorry, I shouldn't have responded that way. As we go, that's what they understood. And they were with each other. Remember my word? Togetherness. And let me tell you, togetherness will push your buttons. Togetherness will test you. Togetherness will make you want to rip out your hair at times, and you're just like, I'm done. Anybody, any parents in the house right now going, yep, 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 I'll preach that. That's right, yeah. Togetherness is hard. But let me tell you, togetherness is beautiful because that's how you really get through to people by spending time, by investing in them. We must make our family time all about knowing Him and learning to love God, right? The high priority is not just on family alone, but it's on making sure your family knows how to read God's Word, knows how to spend time in prayer. It's our job to go, hey, family, God's important. It's almost like Joshua's epic statement, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That should be our battle cry as families because the enemy, he's coming after you. He has all these distractions set up in this world for you to be pulled apart. And if he can't get you personally, he's going to come after your family. Think back to the very beginning. Adam knew what the commandments of the Lord was. So the serpent went to Eve. He went to the spouse and weaseled his way in. There is an attack on our family today. Here's the question that I've been asking myself. Remember our pie chart? Where's all my time going? What does my time show as a priority to my family? If I mapped out my life, and it looked kind of similar to this, what would it say is a priority? Does that need adjusting, or does that need some eliminating? And that is a hard thing to wrestle with. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, because some of these things up here, they're not bad. They're good things when in the proper place. Remember, we're trying to lay the foundation for our church members to see what is important based upon God's standards. Listen to what 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a hard saying, isn't it? But if we're not going to take this time to provide, not just physically, but spiritually, what's it saying? This is a big deal. When we neglect spending time and teaching our kids what it means, they're going to pay the price later. So be encouraged. God's word is true. God's word is encouraging us. Here's what we are to put as the priority. Um, don't get mad at me, but I've got a quote this morning that I think we need to hear. His name was Dean Butterfield, and this is what he said about when trying to compare a modern family versus the Old Testament um, biblical family. The priorities and values of our family today show a very different culture, right? We all understand that. Culture's drastically different. But with the rise of entertainment, music, sports, and technology, families have shifted into focusing on things that they believe will benefit their kids more in the long run. What are we doing? We've fallen into the trap of prioritizing family time 
but in efforts to make our kids succeed by the world's standards. We've gone, okay, if family's important, I got to make sure that I help them succeed. Sounds good, right? And let me tell you, every parent, your dream, your goal is to help your kids succeed, right? But catch this. But whose standard are we doing the measuring? Is it by the world's standard or by God's standard? All of those things have their place. But what is taking our time? What is taking our energy? And we, as a family, have to be careful not to fall trap. Because catch this, eternity is at stake. We're not just worried about if they're going to succeed as a musician or succeed as an athlete or succeed at whatever you want to fill in the blank. We want them to succeed in loving God with all their hearts. We want them to be followers of Jesus. And this is extremely hard. This is something that I tell you is getting harder and harder. But it's not impossible. I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you're continuing to have your personal time with the Lord, He's going to equip you as parents to do this with your family. So, I always try to make sure that I communicate well visually. And I really was trying to make sure that as I preached this sermon, that I did a good job of showing both sides and how there's so many different people on this, right? And so, I don't have a perfect example for this, but here's a word that I want you guys to hear. When you're trying to do this, you need balance. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. If you just draw hard lines and go, this is absolutely how it's going to be, and you don't have a relationship with that kid, they're going to run the opposite way. But let me tell you, I'm thankful for my dad and my family who had rules with relationship. He wasn't perfect, and I got to hold no a lot. But like I said, I'm so thankful. So here's my illustration to help us. So imagine with me this morning, okay? We're two different sizes of plates. Each one of these plates represents 24 hours. Every single person in the room gets 24 hours, right? But here's what I know. Some families are smaller. Some families are bigger. Some people can't handle as much. Some people can handle a lot more. But what you have to understand and truly evaluate is where you're at in this picture. Because some of us think that we can handle so much. And we cram our schedules full, and we think we're doing an incredible job of balancing everything, when in all reality, this is our plate. And it is overflowing, and it's spilling all over the place, and our family is suffering because of it. We like to think this is us, but in all reality, this is probably more where we're at. And I realize that there's different seasons of life. I realize that certain times might be busier than others. This week for me was incredibly busy. I came out of a busy weekend. I knew I was preaching. Like, there's a lot more on my plate this week. So what did I have to try to do? Be that much more intentional about my time with my wife. Be that much more intentional about my time with my daughter. Was it easy? Even though I knew this sermon was what the Lord placed on my heart. This week has been hard. Like last night, um, I was talking with Tammy before the service. Um, I was tested in this. Right? It was probably about 3 o'clock. 
and I was up here finishing sermon stuff. Abby calls me. She's in tears. Juliet's not sleeping. She's worn out. She's exhausted. Please come and get this baby. And I'm like, I'm not quite done with sermon. Like, I want to look over it just a little bit more. I want to get slides in here. That's my first thought. And the words out of my mouth was, I'll be right there. I said the right things, but in my heart, I'm still struggling with it. I'm like, ugh. So I get home, fussy baby. She's like, you're up, right? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I want rest time. So I'm terrible at the nap time thing, by the way. So I put her in the car seat, and the best thing I know how to do is drive. That's the only way I know how to get this kid to sleep. And by the Lord's grace and his mercy, nine minutes later, right, She's asleep, knocked out, and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Like, do I drive around for the next hour? Like, so I call up my brother, thank goodness for family, say, hey, I'm coming over, right? We wanted to spend some time together, so I'm bringing a baby. And uh, she slept and slept and slept and slept, and I was like, this is great. I'm doing awesome. My wife texts me, is she awake yet? I'm like, no, I'm doing awesome. She's like, uh, wake her up. She's not going to want to go to bed tonight. I'm like, oh, no, right? She sleeps till 5 o'clock, which puts normal bedtime window at 10 now. So I'm sitting here like, I'm a hero. I've done great, right? This baby is going to be up forever. And it's 8, 19, and Abby's still not 100%. She's not feeling great. And she comes to me and is like, can you watch her until 9 o'clock? And I'm like, no. I don't have anything left in me. She looks back at me. And I know this is the I don't have anything left in me look. Can you make it till 9 o'clock? And I was like, no, I can't. (laughs) Gives me the look one more time like, fine, I'll do it. Right? And it feels like an eternity goes on. Meanwhile, I'm trying to look through these notes, reviewing put family first. Right? And I'm just like, (laughs) I'm done. I'm out of gas, Lord. And nine o'clock rolls around and Abby comes out and she's my hero now, right? And Juliet just proceeds to run around the house for the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Just wired up. All in this moment, right? I'm done. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, this is the mundane things of life. But this is what God has called you to as a parent. You give You sacrifice, and I'm like, that's the heavenly father. We are to be like him. He gives, he sacrifices, he loves unconditionally. And that's my heart this morning for us. When you're wore out, keep pushing on. When you're exhausted, keep going. Rely on the spirit inside of you. He is the one who refreshes you. And think, Have I done this to myself a little bit? What can I adjust? Or what needs to be eliminated from my plate? Because it's all crashing down. There's just too much going on. This is not us. There may be a few of you in here, but don't let your family sacrifice because you think you can handle all this. And as I wrap up this morning, I know you're thinking, oh, message on family. This is going to be super funny. This is going to be encouraging. Like, this is heavy. This is hard. But let me tell you, that's what I believe about family. It's beautiful, but it's hard. 
And as, as we think through this, as we process through this together, I don't want you to walk out of here discouraged. I hope that you walk out of here going, challenge accepted. I'm not exactly where we need to be, and I know there's some people in here this morning who've got a little bit grayer hair. Your kids are even out, and you're like, what does this mean for me? I bet you you got some grandkids. And here's the reality. You may have not raised your kids right, and now you're fighting an uphill battle. But I believe that if you still, like, backtrack. Kids are yours forever. They may graduate, they may leave the house at 18, but they're yours. You're not done until they're gone or you're gone. You still invest. You still pour into them. And you do the same for your grandkids because you desire for them to have that same love, that same passion that you have for God, right? And so you pour into them. And your kids may look at you and go, that's not how you did things. And you're like, that's right, I messed up. Acknowledge it. I messed up. But here's what I think is important. And here's what God is teaching me. Here's how God is growing me. It's okay to say we've been wrong. And that's where I think I'm at this morning. As the young dad, I see it of like, man, there's so many things pulling us in different directions, and they're good things. And I loved your testimony. It was a hard testimony. But I needed to hear that. Be careful that you don't put ministry ahead of your family. And there are some days, and the Lord convicts me, I've poured out, I've given all that I can for my students and my parents, and I come home empty. And I have nothing left to give my wife and my daughter. I've got to know my balance. I've got to know what size my plate is. And I've got to adjust. So I want you to bow your heads this morning. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, how's my family doing? Not just the checkup to see our relationships good, but how's your family doing following the Lord? Because that is the question. That's what we want to answer. How are my kids doing? Are they seeing me live this out? Or are they seeing a fake? Because that is one thing that I'm a firm believer. Kids can spot frauds. They know what's real. They know when you're listening. And they know when you're just looking at your phone. big difference in our cultures but I believe these truths are for us I want to see families thriving I want to see families passionately worshiping the Lord together and maybe you're strong this morning praise God or maybe you're the one in ruins here and this has just struck your chord don't try to fix it all at once but begin those honest conversations with your spouse. What small adjustment can we make? What do we need to do differently? Maybe it just starts with your communication. But teach your kids. As we go, 
as we rise, as we sit, not just in church. This is my heart. This is my prayer for us this morning. Be a family unit. Do life together. Make the Lord your foundation. Because everything else fades. It's gone. I want to give my kids the world. Lord, I pray, little Juliet follows you. That's what it means to be a successful dad. So I want to open up the altars this morning. Maybe you need to move and come up here and pray and just weep before the Lord. Say, God, I've messed up. I need your help. Maybe you want to do that right there in your pew. I don't know. And I've talked a lot about family blood this morning. Well, here's what I know too. This is our church family. And the same principles apply for us. Right, we are sons and daughters of the King. Our Father in Heaven looks down and He wants this family to be healthy. He wants us to have strong relationships. He wants us to be together because that's how we fulfill His mission. Maybe you're sitting on the sidelines this morning of this family. You're disconnected. I want to encourage you, get plugged into a small group. Maybe you're a young family and you're like, I don't know them over there, but they seem to have it together with their kids. Help me. Teach me. We're here for one another. To build one another up. To encourage one another. If you just need prayer this morning, we want you to come. Like we said, our 72 hours of prayer is starting tonight at 5. Um, we can pray now. We want you to come and do exactly what the Lord is saying to you. So I want you guys to stand. As we're wrapping up this morning, um, hopefully you got a bulletin. And on the far right-hand side, um, there's a little tear-out, and it says prayer request down at the bottom. Right, 72 hours is a lot of time to pray. So we've got a lot of time for your needs, for your requests. And so if you want to write your name on it, great. If you just want to put your need, that's fine. Please, every single person in here this morning, like if you've got something on your heart, don't leave without writing it on here and putting it in the box. Because we want for God to do something awesome. And we've got to seek Him. We've got to bow our knees and put Him first. So we've got someone coming this morning, and I'm going to let Loretta introduce her. It's been coming for a couple months now. Um, wants to join our church family this morning. you want to say? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Do we have microphone? First started coming here on um, 
I, I first talked to my friend Loretta on December the 3rd. And she invited me to the, I think it was the, the Cookies uh, and the Sisters and on the 4th, and I couldn't do that, but I said, I'll tell you, I would love to come to church with you if I may. So the first time I came to church with her was on December the 5th. That was a day I will never forget. I've been to many, I'm not proud to say this, I've been to many churches. I was raised Baptist, and for a while I went to the Pentecostal church, but uh, only God knows uh, why or what time, but he, he led me back to my roots, and I am so glad. And I'm so glad to be here, and I, uh, I cannot wait to join this church. All right. If you guys are all in favor, just by a show of hands, we want to welcome our sister. And let's give her a big round of applause. Thank you for being here with us this morning. So on the way out, you guys can make your way back there. We just want to welcome her, our sister, and shake her hand and just love on her and encourage her. Um, God's moving. God's working here in this place. And I am so glad to be a part of it. Family's important, but God is our bedrock. Is our foundation. So, like I said, if you want to be a part of our 72 hours of prayer, there are sign-up sheets. Um, or if you're not able to sign up and you just show up, that's fine too. If you're saying, hey, Brett, I have family things that's going on and I'm not able to actually get to the church building, but I'm committing to praying at home, that works too. No matter where you're at, we want this 72 hours to be a time of focused, intentional prayer of us really seeking the Lord. And so as we exit out of here, just be remembering um, to pray for Pastor Roger and Brenda. A little bit under the weather right now, not feeling good this morning. And I'm telling you, like, there's probably a bunch of you that know someone who's sick right now. And so we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to sing our way out of here this morning. <laughs> 